Welcome to the CanMed Coffee Talk podcast, where we talk with the leading minds in cannabis science, medicine, cultivation, and safety testing who will be part of the CanMed 2020 conference in Pasadena, California, this September 20th through 22nd. I am your host, Ben Amaralt. I'm the marketing manager of Medicinal Genomics and a proud member of the CanMed 2020 team. Head over to canmedevents.com to check out our phase one schedule, which includes presentation topics from 20 of our invited speakers and abstract presenters. We will continue to add to this lineup throughout the summer, so be sure to sign up for email alerts so you don't miss any announcements. If you sign up on our podcast page, canmedevents.com slash coffee talk, you will also be entered into a drawing to win two tickets to our CanMed 2020 VIP dinner. On this episode, we talk with Brianna Cassidy, who is the Chief Scientific Officer at CDX Analytics. Brianna and the team at CDX perform safety testing on all types of cannabis samples, including potency, pesticides, heavy metals, residual solvents, and microbial contamination. As you will hear from our conversation, Brianna takes a creative and analytical approach to solving problems that come with testing cannabis products. At CAMED 2020, Brianna will share her process for evaluating new analytical methods and technologies for her lab. As you can imagine, there are a number of vendors looking to install their systems in cannabis testing labs, so it helps to have a thorough and objective process to choose the best option. Our team knows firsthand that Brianna is thorough when evaluating new technologies. She and the team at CDX provided data that was a major part of the medicinal genomics manufacturer validation document. Brianna and I also discussed the issue of consistency when it comes to potency testing. I was surprised to learn that cannabis flowers from the same batch are often 50% more or less potent than what's reported on the package. She also explained how water content can make a big difference in potency results. We are excited to have Brianna as part of CanMed 2020, and we are excited to see you there as well. Go to CanMedEvents.com now to see our ticket pricing options and get your ticket today. We are currently offering early bird pricing through August 1st. We are also offering a 100% refund to ticket holders should CanMed 2020 need to be postponed due to COVID-19. Rest assured that we are working closely with the Pasadena Convention Center to make sure that we can provide a safe environment for our staff and attendees. And as of this recording, the event is still on. But just in case, we have updated our refund policy. So please check out our website for details. I also wanted to thank this episode's sponsor, The Cannabis Scientist. The Cannabis Scientist is a publication with an important mission to promote good science in our growing field. Register for free on their website, thecannabisscientist.com, and get unlimited access to expert commentary on testing, extraction, medical research, and regulation. And finally, we want to thank our friends at the Hemp and Coffee Exchange for fueling the CanMed Coffee Talk podcast. The Hemp and Coffee Exchange is a grassroots Tampa-based coffee roasting company creating progressively sustainable consumables combining two of the most genetically diverse plants on the planet, hemp and coffee. Check out hempcoffeeexchange.com and use the promo code DRINKHEMP, all one word, to get 10% off your purchase. That promo code, again, is DRINKHEMP. Okay, 
Without any further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Brianna Cassidy of CDX Analytics. Hey, Brianna, how are we doing today? Doing pretty well, Ben. Yourself? I'm doing well. Doing well. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Um, and as I always like to say, when I talk to people from the, the lab testing profession, uh, I love getting a chance to talk to you because we at Medicinal Genomics, we work with you guys very closely. And I know what you do on the microbial side, obviously, because of what we do at Medicinal Genomics. But I really like to talk to you about all the other things that you test for at the testing lab. Um, so tell me a little bit about CDX, your position there, and what a, what a typical day is like. Sure. Well, first off, I'd like to say I'm honored to be a part of the CanMed conference. I'm very excited to be presenting there, so I'm looking forward to that. And my title is the Chief Science Officer um, at CDX Analytics, and we test for a myriad of different things in cannabis and cannabis-infused products. Um, of course, the cannabinoids, the active ingredients, uh, terpenes, um, also possibly active ingredients, um, and then some contaminants. So we're looking at heavy metals, pesticides, microbials, uh, mycotoxins, and then we have um, some disruptive technology in the lab too in regard to our dry weight measurement and, and accounting for water content in samples. Oh, uh, tell me a bit more about that. I had a feeling you might ask. <laughs> <laughs> so You have good instincts. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's important to talk about water content because the reported concentrations are supposed to be indicative of how much what it is we're seeing is in the dry weight of the sample being tested. And cannabis can be around 80% water. So if you don't accurately account for that 80% and subtract it out, um, the result from your very precise analytical instrumentation could be completely moot. Um, the suggested way to do this by the American Herbal Pharmacopeia is by loss on drying. And that's essentially taking the sample and putting it in an oven for a certain amount of time. So that has some implications, that loss on drying method. Number one, um, water desorption is a very slow process. And as you reach completion, it becomes slower and slower. So if you're to put a really wet sample in alongside a very dry sample after the same exposure to temperature and time, um, those two samples will still have different water contents. So the, the more wet sample will still be wet. And uh, if you don't account for all the water in a sample, you are going to artificially deflate all of your analytical results. If you overaccount for water content by possibly, let's say, uh, baking off terpenes and other volatile parts of your sample, assuming they're water, but they're not, um, then you can artificially inflate your analytical results. So um, what we've done is we've incorporated a technique other than loss on drying. We're using gas phase Carl Fisher titration. And what this does is using a subsample of what we're testing, 
we can figure out how much reaction we get with the water content in that sample using a chemical test and simply subtract the water content out using the molecular weight at the end. So this allows for an extremely precise and accurate result for all of our testing that we do on flour. Okay, so so if I followed that, if I followed that, and I'm not sure that I did, <laughs> but that's okay. Um, so what you're doing is actually just measuring the water content and then kind of subtracting that out or applying some kind of algorithm to separate that out rather than trying to bake it to be 80% or whatever percent is the recommended uh, dry weight. Is that, do I have that yeah, right? Exactly. So instead of baking out the water content, we test for it chemically and then subtract it from the result. Excellent. Excellent. Now, when you get, so um, a consumer going into the dispensary and buying some flour, what is sort of the average water content there? Does it vary between the, the different buds or the different strains or is it sort relatively consistent? We see cured bud coming in at around um, four to 10% water content by weight. Okay. So that's a, that's a decent range. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, you know, when you're talking about um, the testing limits in Massachusetts, where we're quantifying down to parts per billion levels, that range has a huge impact on the, the final result. And now, is that specifically for potency or can that apply to, you know, heavy metals and other contaminants as well? Yeah, that's a good question. Every single result that is reported for a flower or plant-based sample is impacted by water content. Okay. Okay. So this all really seems to jive with the article that I was reading that you and Cindy Orser had um, authored that was all about cannabis uncertainty and so, and how, you know, if you're taking a, a big batch of cannabis and, and selecting different subsamples of that to do your testing, the, the difference in those different subsamples can be pretty vast. And I imagine that this water content's just another variable that goes into that. Fair to say? Yeah. Yeah. So that article was a blast to write with Cindy. I think it's, you know, medicinal genomics is great about this too, is the collaboration to talk about these variables like, you know, measurement uncertainty, water content, um, you know, why is it that people are getting different results for what they think is the same batch? So those discussions are really important to have. And, and yeah, you're right. That article does encompass a lot of different um, discussions on what can impact your test results. And so in addition to water content, what are some of the other things that can be leading to this uncertainty problem? Is it something that's just sort of a, a necessary evil of testing something like, like cannabis flower, or is it something that there's not enough standards between the labs, combination of the two or more? Yeah. I mean, you covered a good bit of them, but it is true to say that any measurement that is taken, whether you're measuring a string with a ruler, or you're measuring the um, nanograms of pesticide in one gram of flour, 
both of those situations are going to have a plus or minus around the result. So the article that Cindy and I wrote goes into some other variables that could be adding to this plus or minus. We already talked about water content, um, and you briefly brought up um, testing different buds from the same plant and uh, how the plant itself being inconsistent throughout in terms of cannabinoid concentration and possibly contaminants does contribute to the plus or minus of your result. And the um, most efficient way to mitigate that is to have homogeneous batches of product, meaning that they're well mixed and that they are the same throughout. So that when a sample, a subsample of that batch is taken to a laboratory, the results for that subsample actually represent the batch itself. Now that's got to be pretty hard to do with cannabis flower though, because you don't want to, you know, take a huge, a huge batch and grind it all up because then you're going to, you know, lose your bag appeal, lose those nice, beautiful buds that people are um, so interested in. So how do you, how do you overcome that? It's difficult. And, you know, instead of overcoming it in an industry where that isn't something that is altogether possible, you instead have to accurately account for it. And what I mean by that is, you know, if if one bud has a different result than another bud, then understanding that when you look at the label of your product, of your cannabis buds, when you pull a bud from that container to consume, that that bud could be plus or minus 50% or more of what is on the label. And it's... You know, that can be alarming, but at the same time, knowing that and understanding it is is just as important as solving it. Wow, 50%. That's <laughs> that's yeah. significant. At and least. Especially I didn't mean to cut you off, but there is a peer-reviewed publication in Forensic Science International where they show the test results of different plants that are within the same clone and how much the cannabinoid results vary from bud to bud. So that's that's an interesting to look at. Interesting one to look at if you're if you want to get into it even further. Yeah, and you know, I'm just thinking with with CanMed being so focused on using cannabis as a medicine, that's mm-hmm. got to be something that um, if you are using flour to treat your condition, that's something you really need to take um, take seriously. Yeah. So, um, you know, what are your thoughts? I mean, I know you're not a physician and you're not going to be giving out any medical advice, but in terms of patients who are treating with cannabis flower, what are sort, sort of the, some things that they need to keep in mind? You know, it's, first of all, I appreciate you recognizing that I'm not a medical doctor. Um, <laughs> your philosophy is a completely different deal. I, I, I would look more towards the products that are available that are a little bit more homogeneous, meaning, you know, liquids. And it's, you know, they all have their own inhomogeneity variables related to them. 
And until someone does a test comparing the homogeneity of cannabis-infused products to um, concentrates or extracts to flowers, it's, it's kind of hard to, to navigate that question. But theoretically, I would assume that liquid or cannabis-infused product-based um, options are more homogeneous than buds themselves. Right. But then then comes the whole problem of, you know, consistency from batch to batch or lot to lot, which I can imagine um, can vary as well, just because of um, whether it be sourcing the, the material or changing in production or things like that. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, in with with pharmaceuticals, that's that's where I come from as a pharmaceutical industry. Uh, the USP has very strict testing requirements that have to be met in order for a sample to be even considered representative of the batch. And those tests ensue taking, you know, 30 plus units and testing them individually. And they have to be within the same result in order to actually move forward with, with that batch. So I, I do see the cannabis industry eventually getting to the point where they require homogeneity testing. I have seen clients that are starting to undertake homogeneity testing as um, just a precaution for their business, because what that does is it gives them a snapshot of how consistent their product is. And it ensures their clients, the consumers of this product, that they can expect that the label represents what they are consuming and that it's consistent as well. So it's actually a big advantage to the marketing of a product to go ahead and undertake this homogeneity testing and to shoot to create a more consistent product. Yeah, and I imagine that's where we hope this is all going is that the the companies and the manufacturers will do all this testing, not because they have to, but because they want to, or because the customer demands it or expects it. So right. um, it's good to see that uh, at least some are already taking that step and eventually uh, everyone will get there. So yeah. you mentioned you came from uh, pharmaceutical testing, and I'm curious um, when you say that you know, in the cannabis space that the, the difference in concentrations can be up to, you know, 50%. Where is it that the pharmaceuticals, um, what percentage or what difference are they really aiming for um, in terms of consistency? So with, with cannabis, I think the 50% is going to be a relatively normal happening. I, I think that the concentration can be a plus or minus more than 50% just to clarify. In pharmaceuticals, they're looking for, they measure consistency by a metric called relative standard deviation. And so there are USP guidelines on, it's called content uniformity is the title of the document, where they give different um different relative percent differences based on the product type and how potent it is. 
Okay. Okay. That makes sense. I did want to go back to, you mentioned when we were kind of talking about alternatives to using maybe cannabis flower for, for treating um, a condition, uh-huh. um, that there are different cannabis infused products out there. Um, and I'm curious because you see all different types of cannabis infused products out there. I'm wondering what are the sort of the, the normal ones that come through your lab or maybe some of the not so normal ones that may have come through your lab? We see a myriad of different matrices and we're um, not generally surprised anymore. We've seen anything from uh, infused drinks. That market is growing and uh, we see a lot of infused chocolate products, a lot of infused gummy products, and more recently, um, vaginal and anal suppositories. I mean, the list of products that we see in the lab just is unending. Yeah, no, it it seems like seems like every week, every month they're coming up with a new a new thing to infuse cannabis into. Yeah. What is the most challenging of the matrices that you've had to deal with? I would say the infused drinks. Um infused products. Interesting. Yeah, it, you know, infused products in general uh require um more astute testing because they include ingredients that could possibly interfere with the test. Uh, They could interfere with the test by covering up the signal of the analyte that we're looking for, where we can't see the cannabinoid or we can't see the metal. Um, They could could, um, interfere with the test in a way that um, those ingredients hold on to the um, constituent that we're looking for and keep it from being in the solution that we're looking to test. Um, And to mitigate that, CDX has launched a formulation test. And what that is, is we actually go in and we work through the sample in several different methods to ensure that those things, that, that those possibilities are mitigated. So, you know, Cannabis-infused products in general, where we're talking about literally an infinite list of possible interferences, have to be taken seriously in testing. And, uh, you know, in any instance where anybody says that they have a, a, a one method solves all process, they just simply haven't looked into it in depth enough to, to find that there are variables in these different cannabis infused products that do impact their tests. So you basically put any new cannabis type product through sort of a battery of tests to sort of really break down what's in there and what could potentially be throwing off your results. Right. This is, this is something that we have been working with a few of our clients in doing. And uh, this is actually part of what I plan on presenting at CanMed. So it's, it's going to be a demonstration of how, you know, different methods can give different results on the same exact products and understanding how to take that knowledge and mitigate in order to report an accurate and precise result. What an excellent segue. Yeah. So <laughs> the, um, yeah, the title of your talk here is Navigating cannabis method options through implementation of novel validation design 
and statistical comparison. And you did just give a little bit of a preview with about what that talk is going to be about, but I was wondering if you could give us a little bit more. Absolutely. So we we have a lot of different testing options as uh, as third party testers in the cannabis industry. A lot of instrument vendors have prepackaged methods and instrumentation that can be used to measure the cannabinoid concentration or the heavy metal concentration, or as you very well know, the microbial concentrations. And the talk is going to be about how to choose the method that is most appropriate for what it is that you're doing in a quantitative and statistical way. Because, uh, you know, accurate science is all about absolving subjectivity as much as possible and looking at the data and the relative standard deviations and the robustness. Um, that's what's going to give you the answer to which platform you should choose to do your testing. Excellent. Excellent. Um, so what are some of the, the different methods or you know, I shouldn't say methods, but what are some of the different um, types of testing that you are going to be sort of highlighting in your talk? Is it more on the um, the potency side, heavy metals, microbials, a little bit of everything? We find different avenues every day that we're in the lab. So what I plan on doing is choosing the ones that best illustrate the need for a quantitative decision making. And right now, it's looking like that discussion will, will be based on microbial testing. There was a little bit of a preview to this given by Yvonne. Um, she's already presented this uh, last fall with the, uh, the Grim Reefer. And so, you know, I might build on that a little bit with uh, the uh, in-lab testing we did at CDX and the validation that we have for inter-laboratories. Um, but I have a lot of different options in terms of what other test methods I include. Could be a little bit on the water content quantification we talked about earlier, comparing that to the loss on drying method in terms of precision and uh, accuracy and robustness. I could talk about cannabis-infused products and different extraction methods for cannabinoid testing and how those impact the results. It, it just goes on and on. It's such an exciting new industry. You know, scientists have only had, you know, 20, 25 years to work with this matrix. And it's really fun to be a part of, you know, battening down the hatches and coming up with methods that consistently trump what was currently in use days, weeks, months, or years before. We're going to have to block off a whole afternoon for you. <laughs> I don't know about that, Ben. You'll have to talk to AJ. <laughs> no, but um, it, it's, I'm glad that you brought up um, Grim Reefer and the talk that Yvonne had given at CAMED 2019, um, because you did contribute a lot of great data that was used in that. And we want to thank you very much for that. Um, and if folks are interested, they can check out that talk and all the CAMED 2019 talks at CAMEDEvents.com. Nice little plug in there for that. So you mentioned uh, what you did before you got into the cannabis space a little bit briefly, but I was wondering a bit more, what did you do before you got into cannabis and and why did you decide to to make the switch? Sure. 
um, it's been a long journey, but uh, just very quickly, you know, I, I have a chemistry bachelor's with two art minors, art history and studio art. Um, after that, I got my PhD in analytical chemistry. And during that time, I worked on um, a lot of forensic applications, blood detection, bloodstain age development, uh, using different light-based techniques combined with st statistical data analysis to correctly classify unknowns, uh, a lot of really fun stuff. Um, I also did environmental sampling and testing. And um, from there, I moved on to the pharmaceutical industry where I worked to uh, identify the impacts different formulations have on active pharmaceutical ingredients. So essentially what I did was um, keep track of what fillers in drugs do to the drugs themselves and how they impact the expiration date of the drug. So uh, yeah. that work, yeah, it, it turned out to be incredibly relevant, um, especially to cannabis-infused products, and I'm really excited to apply that. But um, in getting into the cannabis industry, it was something, you know, like I said, it's so new. People really haven't had time to nail down the testing methods and there aren't, they, there weren't that many peer reviewed publications and still aren't on cannabis testing. So that was very lucrative to me. I thought it would be neat to be a part of something where creativity paired with uh, chemical knowledge could be used to um, really give back and have a high impact to society. So that's what I did. You know, I, I worked um, at CDX Analytics for nearly a year with state-of-the-art brand new instrumentation, um, designing methods. And I'm very grateful that the president and CEO of CDX has a PhD himself, because I don't know any other businessman that would give me that long to come up with these methods. But, um, you know, the creativity I had from my art background really did come in handy. And I was given the time to look into the variables that impact test results that really has given us an insight into the industry today. Yeah, I think that's that's one of the things that we all really love about the cannabis industry is that it's such such a frontier. Yeah. There's such, you know, fertile ground for us to apply creativity and kind of innovative solutions to really push this thing forward. So that's really interesting. I, did, I had no idea you had an art background. Yeah. What, uh, what what specifically you painter sculptor well like i said uh, one of the minors is in art history so looking back at you know all the different time periods and what drove art and what uh, what the artists were thinking at the times that they were creating the pieces that they created um, but my studio art was centered first on drawing and then on oil painting excellent yeah. We're going to have to commission you to paint a mural for us in the office. <laughs> well, my husband, it's, it's funny. I recently came home with something that I did, and he told me that uh, we couldn't have any more naked women in the house. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently I'm, I'm not supposed to be doing the uh, live modeling in, in the studios for a while, but I, I still do keep up with it, and I do really enjoy it. 
Okay, excellent. Well, yeah, I'd have to check with HR to make sure um, we could bring that into the into the mural, but uh, not holding my breath. <laughs> oh, well, I saw the uh, picture of Kevin McKernan superimposed over the Grim Reefer's face, and I think that's uh, <laughs> I think that'll be just fine. That's some pretty pretty heightened artistic ability right there. There you go. Um, yeah, so so wrapping up here, um, I know you said you were really excited to have to be coming to CanMed, and we're super excited to have you. Um, if I remember correctly, this will be your first time out there, correct? Yes, I've been chomping at the bit. You know, CanMed is one of the most scientifically revered conferences um, that I've heard of. Um, to me, CanMed and the Emerald are top notch. So it's it's an honor to be a part of the conference. I've heard nothing but great things about it. And uh, I look forward to the scientific discussions and the collaborations that come about because of it. Excellent. I think you're going to fit right in. There's, there's plenty of people out there um, who kind of share your enthusiasm for cannabis science. And I think you'll be a, a great addition to the event. And we're looking forward to having you out there. And um, thanks again, Brianna, for taking the time uh, to talk with us today. And if I don't see you before then, uh, we'll see you out there in Pasadena. Thanks so much, Ben. I'm looking forward to it myself. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Brianna Cassidy. Check out the links in the show description to learn more about the topics we discussed. And please also check out the CDX Analytics website. Our next episode will drop July 8th, but in the meantime, please go to canmedevents.com to view the phase one schedule, see our growing list of sponsors and exhibitors, and sign up for email alerts. If social media is your thing, please also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Just search for CanMed Events. And lastly, if you are listening on a podcast app, go ahead and hit the subscribe button so that the new episodes automatically download to your device. And please also leave us a five-star review. All right, that's it from us. Stay safe, stay healthy, and be sure to come back for the next episode of the CanMed Coffee Talk podcast.